The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. All right, everybody. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Coastal Community Church. I'm Pastor Chris. Great to have you with us today. We kick off a new series, uh, Summer Reading. But before we get to that, uh, just welcome. If you're watching us online today, we're glad that you've joined us. Uh, Maybe you're traveling out of town, or if you're tuning in tonight at 6 p.m., welcome. We're glad that you are here. Uh, So many exciting things happening this summer, so many things coming up that's happening this summer. The big thing, of course, is that tomorrow begins what? VBS. Now you need to be a little more excited than that, man. I am jacked up about VBS. It starts tomorrow night. We now have uh, over 200 and I think 17 kids that are pre-registered. Uh, so that's before they even, you know, show up. I'm sure we'll have some walk-ins, and uh, it is going to be an awesome, awesome week. So a couple of things that our children's director, my wife, has told me to remind everybody about. If I don't, I'm going to be in big trouble. Uh, hey, if you're volunteering for VBS, and again, uh, VBS is all hands on deck. We need lots of people participating to pull off on the best week of the summer. But if you are volunteering, and for some reason you don't know what you're doing, make sure you see Janet today. Uh, before you leave, uh, make sure that, and if you're looking for something to do, if you haven't yet volunteered, we will put you to work. So see her as well. Uh, And then today, immediately after the second service, you guys can come back if you'd like. Uh, We're going to be stacking and packing the chairs. We hadn't had to do that this summer uh, because we're going to be preparing uh, the room, uh, the campus for Vacation Bible School. So uh, we'd love for you to stick around and help us do all of those things. Uh, Parking this week, if you're volunteering, the further away you park, the better. Uh, the more you love Jesus, the further away you park, okay? So go park up there at Hardee's, go park at Seacoast West, go park somewhere else, but don't park over here. And uh, I think that's about it. But it is going to be a great, great week. Make sure you pray for us, for our volunteers, for the kids. Um, it really is one of the best weeks of the entire uh, summer. And, uh, and give, by the way. Uh, give generously because uh, your money helps to go to pay for all that happens this week at Vacation Bible School. We don't charge for BBS. Uh, it's free, and uh, we, it is, uh, a lot goes into it, so we encourage you to do that. Hey, one other thing that I want to mention to you inside your bulletin today and on your Connect card, we are in the process right now of preparing for our fall semester of life groups. And this semester, our life groups are doing something a little bit different. We've done this in the past, but it's been a little while. We're going to do a church-wide uh, spiritual campaign called Daring Faith. Uh, it is a spiritual campaign slash giving campaign because we are preparing uh, for phase two here on our campus. And we are excited about that. And we're going to show you pictures and let you know all about that uh, coming up really soon. Uh, but we're going to be breaking ground uh, on the 30th anniversary of our church. The, the next year, in 2020, in January, uh, we hope to break ground sometime in 2020. But think about this. That is the 20th, uh, 30th anniversary of our church. And so I'm excited about what God's going to be doing here at Coastal through us. And uh, one of the best ways that it happens, the main way that that's going to happen this coming semester is through our life groups. All of our groups are going to be studying the same thing. Uh, We're going to be pushing people to meet in home, small groups. Uh, And and our semester, this semester, is only eight weeks. So you guys can do anything for eight weeks. And we're encouraging you to be a part of it. But to make it happen, we need group leaders. And uh, really, this semester, it's more about being a group facilitator. Because we're going to provide you the material, the DVD. You just push play and lead your group. 
Uh, but it's going to be awesome. We want you to be a part of it. There's a little uh, sheet inside your bulletin explaining it. And then on the back of your Connect card, uh, at the very bottom underneath my next step today says, I am interested in being a daring faith, life group facilitator, host, or coloring book artist. And uh, we are in the process now of collecting uh, pages that you guys are drawing to be a part of our coloring book that's going to be for our children. So uh, all those things are happening uh, and more. And as the days go by, we'll let you know more information about all of that. But right now, we need to know if you're interested in leading, facilitating a group. So Today, uh, as I said, we kick off a brand new series called Summer Reading. Uh, it's one of my favorite uh, series that we do because I'm a reader. So l- let me explain kind of the idea for the series. In some ways, it is kind of similar to at the movies where we used movies, you know, as a hook or a springboard then to talk about spiritual truth. But for this series, instead of movies, uh, we use books. Six books, one each week uh, as, as a springboard or a hook then to dig into God's Word and talk about spiritual truth. We kind of use the subject matter of that week's book as the subject uh, for my message that week. We're not preaching from the books at Coastal. We always preach from God's Word, but we're encouraging you to read these books and then uh, we preach from the subject matter of the book. So we provided a, uh, a limited number of the books over the last couple of weeks. I think we still have uh, some of those books in the back for you to pick up and read. Uh, you could purchase them on your own, download them on your Kindle or your device. But most importantly, obviously, uh, we want you to read them. After all, leaders are what? Readers. Leaders are readers. In fact, uh, retired Admiral James Stavridis of the U.S. Navy once said this, The single best way a leader can learn and grow is through reading. So many of our best leaders develop and enhance their ability to lead through endless contact with books. I'm a big proponent of that. Uh, Read. Uh, If you want to grow in your uh, relationships, your marriage, your parenting, read. So let's get started. The author of today's book is Mark Batterson. Uh, Mark Batterson is the lead pastor of National Community Church in Washington, D.C. He's one of my favorite authors, and we've used several of his books over the years, both in life groups and in this series. Uh, one of my favorites was In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. You might remember that one. Some of you were a part of maybe a Circle Maker life group, uh, Grave Robber, All In, uh, If, Just to name a few. Today's book is entitled A Trip Around the Sun, Turning Your Everyday Life into the Adventure of a Lifetime. Now, in the introduction to the book, Mark shares this little story uh, where he tells about the very first sermon illustration that he ever gave on the very first uh, Sunday, the very first sermon at the new church that he just planted in Washington, D.C. So here's the illustration. Listen to this. Fifty people over the age of 95, we're all asked the same one question. If you had your life to do over again, what would you do differently? Okay, that's a pretty cool premise, right? 50 people over the age of 95 had to live your life over, what would you do differently? Now, he says three answers emerged as a consensus. Here's what they said, okay? We would risk more, reflect more, and do more things that lived on after we die. Risk more, reflect more, do more things that live on after we die. That really is what this book is all about. So through his inspirational storytelling style, and if you've read any of his books, you know what I'm talking about. 
uh, Pastor Mark really challenges us to live life, uh, the, the life of adventure that Jesus promises and talks about, to make the most of each day and to live life with great, great passion. And uh, so that's what I want us to talk about today. I want to use the book just as a springboard to talk about uh, living life with passion. Now, to do that, though, I want to begin at the end of life, okay? Anybody here uh, fascinated with old cemeteries? Old cemeteries. Charleston, of course, we are filled with them. Uh, now, being a pastor, I've walked my share of cemeteries. Uh, many times, you know, I'll arrive early to a funeral, and I kind of find myself, you know, walking the rows of, of tombstones and head markers, you know, just trying to, I don't know, discover what stories they, they might tell. You know, wondering about the lives that they might have lived and what, what they might have looked like. Uh, looking at old tombstones, though, you can't help but recognize that now entire lives have been reduced to two dates, right? And, and, and one little dash in between. Now, some monuments will, you know, they'll include facts or little pictures or sayings or Bible verses. But each person's life, you know, really comes down to what transpired between those two dates. It, it, it comes down to what's in the dash. And, you know, you look at the dash of a particular person's marker and, you know, tombstone, and, and you wonder, you know, what did he live for? Whom did she love? You know, what were their passions and dreams? What were his or her, you know, biggest mistakes or, or, or greatest regrets? Now, when you think about it, we really don't have, you know, hardly any control over most of life. I mean, you didn't get to decide where you were born, you know, who your parents are, what, what time or culture, you know, that you would face. We, you, you don't get to decide those two dates on your tombstone, coming or going, right? You know, we, we, we don't know when our time on this earth is going to be up. It could be today. It could be next week. It could be next month, next year. It could be decades away, right? Only God knows that. However, there is one thing that we do have vast amounts of control over. We get to decide how we're going to live our life. You get to choose how you're going to spend that little dash of time between those two dates of your earthly existence. So the question I got for all of us today is this. What are you spending yours on? You know, are you really living the dash? Or are you just dashing to live? You know, hurriedly spending precious time chasing after things, you know, marking things off of your calendar that just got to get done that sometimes really, in the, in the grand scope of things, don't really matter. Now, as a pastor for over, you know, 29 years now here at Coastal, we said, right, 30's coming up. But I've had the privilege over the years, maybe much like Mark, to minister to a lot of people in the last months and last days of their lives. And just like the illustration that he shared, I, I too have noticed some, you know, some common characteristics in those people's lives at that point in their life. You know, when they... When they know, you know, that they've only got maybe a few months or a few weeks to live, wow, 
I mean, it's as though they have an amazing clarity now about how they're going to spend the rest of their time. I mean, their focus now is on relationships, you know, saying things they always wanted to say, and, and uh, they forgave uh, people, and they, they asked for forgiveness, you know. Uh, they, they, they didn't waste a lot of time on insignificant stuff. They made the most of the time that they had left. But my question is this today. Why do we wait And that really is the point of this book. Why do we wait until we're diagnosed with cancer? You know, why do we wait until we lose a loved one to accept this? I mean, it should be common knowledge and act on it. I mean, don't we all want everything that life has to offer? I mean, don't we all want to fulfill the purposes uh, for which we've been created by God? Now, think about Jesus for a moment. Think about how he lived. He lived and loved with passion. In fact, one of our theme verses around here, you know, is John 10.10. My purpose, Jesus said, is to give life in all of its fullness. That's the way Jesus lived his life. To the full. You know, with great passion and intentionality. You know, nothing in this world today happens. Nothing great, at least, ever happens without passion. I really believe the driving force behind all great art, music, literature, drama, architecture, it's passion. I mean, passion is what makes things great. Passion, you know, think about it, propels athletes to, uh, to break records, teams to win championships. Passion pushes scientists today to make new discoveries. Passion is what brings life, the kind of life that we were all intended to live. Look at the next verse on your outline. This is from the message, uh, Mark 12, 30. So love the Lord God with all your what? Passion and prayer and intelligence and energy. Circle the word passion there. Man, God wants you to love him with passion. He wants us to live a life of passion. In fact, I think that we, uh, we were made with this capacity for passion because we have a passionate God. And I think one of the reasons why we lose our passion in life is that we forget that. And we forget who made us. We forget whose we are. The God who made you is an extremely passionate God, and he made us to be passionate people. In fact, look at Romans 12, 11. Listen to this. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Now, circle the word keep there. You know what that tells me? That tells me that passion really is something that you can lose. In other words, he's saying here, you, you got to work at keeping your passion for life. God created every one of us to be passionate, but the problem, the reality is, is that life just tends to beat the passion right out of you, right? I mean, the problems and pressures and stresses of everyday life can just drain it right out of you. How many of you this morning feel like you don't have enough time right now to get everything that you need to get done by the end of the day? Raise your hand. How many of you are too tired to raise your hand? Just kind of nod your head a little bit, you know, amen or something. I don't know. Um, And so today, here's what I want to do. I want to talk about, well, what steps can we practically take to regain some of that, that passion, to keep that passion. Then how can we work at that? And to do that, I want to look at one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Uh, it's found in Luke chapter 5. Follow along as I read this. 
Some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven, but that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Man, I love the focus and the determination and the passion of these friends. I mean, nothing was going to stop them that day from getting their friend to see Jesus. Now, wouldn't it be awesome if we all had that same kind of passion and zeal and intentionality in our lives? These guys were trying to get their friend to Jesus so that he could be healed. But they ran into a problem that day. The crowd. You know, that that really is the worst thing, I think, about a crowd or a crowded life. A crowded life will keep you from Jesus. Write that down. A crowded life will keep you from Jesus. In other words, what I'm saying is it keeps us from being close to Jesus. Now, I'll be honest with you. I can always tell in my own life when I am too crowded and too overloaded. Because you know what happens? Many times I just start going through the motions, I go through the motions in my walk with Christ. You know, sometimes it feels like you know, my soul begins to, to dry up and my, my emotions get numb. And you know, I, I don't have that same you know, passion for life, either you know, sharing my emotions or feeling those emotions. I quit living passionately and I just existing when my life gets too crowded. Now, so let's talk about that. If you want to recapture the passion in your life, I want to challenge you to do four practical but somewhat revolutionary things that these guys did, okay? Things that we can put into practice today. Number one, do something drastic. Do something drastic. Now, I'm going to explain that. In verse 19, it says, you know, when they couldn't find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him through the mat, through, uh, through, on his mat, through the tiles, into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Now, the crowd kept them from, from Jesus. So they had to come up with something. They, they had to do something drastic. They tore a hole in the roof. Now, I, I think that's pretty drastic, don't you? Now, whenever... Your life gets overcrowded. What I'm saying is, you got to stop and do something out of the ordinary, something drastic, because here's what happens. We all naturally drift toward an overloaded, overcrowded lifestyle. And so if you're going to restore the passion in your life, I think it starts by, you know, maybe today asking yourself a, a kind of drastic question. So here it is. If you knew you had one month to live or six months to live or one year to live, how would you live your life? What would you do? What would you stop doing? You see, when people find out that they have a short time to live, it's like suddenly they remember what really matters. 
Suddenly people are set free and they, they say the things they wish they'd always said. They make things priorities that need to be priorities. They do the things that have been on their list to do for years that they said was important to them, but they never got around to do it because life was too crowded. Well, guess what? All of a sudden now, because they have clarity and focus, they make time. You know, they, again, they ask for forgiveness. They give forgiveness. Their, their lives really are kind of revolutionized in, in the final days, the last days. And suddenly, instantly, instinctively, they have clarity. You know, they, they kind of see the big picture of life. So, if that is what happens to everybody when they find out their days are numbered, why don't we live that way all the time? I mean, we all know our days are numbered, right? Right? I mean, I, I, we joke about this all the time here at Coastal. The death rate here in our world, it still hovers right around 100%, okay? We're all going to die. I mean, we, all of our days are numbered. So why don't we start living that way now? By the way, what, what I really mean by doing something drastic, I'm really just talking about, you know, doing those little things that, you know, you would have, you know, that you've never, you, you would never do before. You know, I, I'm not talking about, um, you know, not paying your bills, okay? I'm not talking about running up a bunch of debt and going to the Bahamas and eating ice cream every day. Okay, that's not, this is not like Y2K prep, okay? I'm not talking about that, you know? Everything's going to shut down. You know, you, you probably have a lot more time left than a month, maybe, you know, than a year. So, some of you are going to live for years and years. But when all of a sudden you understand that, you know what? My days really are numbered. There's this clarity. There's this urgency. And I think the first thing that happens is you realize what's important. You realize what's important. That's exactly what happened to these friends. I mean, they kind of knew. You know what? This might be our last chance to get our friend to Jesus. So they went up on the roof and tore a hole through it. Now, I'm sure when they were tearing a hole through the roof, they weren't thinking, somebody's going to have to pay for this. You know, I mean, they, they, you know because, you know, you know what? Here's what I'm saying. So many of us, though, we get stuck on the roof of life and we worry about all the stuff that really is not going to last. That in the grand scheme of things, really doesn't matter. I mean, sometimes the more stuff you have, the more you have to worry about. And, and we focus on stuff and things that really don't matter and aren't going to last five years from now, much less on into eternity. And we forget about what really does matter, like people. You know, these guys put their friend through the roof. And I bet they said, you know what? It's just a roof. You can replace a roof. But we got to get our friend to Jesus. So they realized what was important. And then secondly, or next, as far as doing something drastic, then you start removing obstacles. Again, you, you decide what's important, and then you start cutting out things that, that really aren't. And the guys in this passage, they removed the roof. It was an obstacle. They, they got rid of it. So the question for us today, the question for you and me, what obstacles in your life do you need to remove? You know, some of them are good things, but maybe they're not the best. You know, what do you need to cut out of your life? Now, how, how do you figure out, again, what's the most important things in life? Well, let me, let me give you a little hint. And I can't, I can't answer that for you, but let me give you a hint. I think the really important things in life typically don't have a deadline. Let me, you know, those, the things with a deadline, you know, those are the urgent things. I get that. And there's some urgent things that have to get done. But 
What I'm saying is sometimes they aren't the things that you're going to be rewarded for or paid for if you do them. Um, And many times they go unnoticed and unpraised if you choose to do them. Things like taking the time to tuck your kids in bed at night and pray with them. Taking a walk with your spouse, date night. Playing catch with your son. Going to your daughter's school, having lunch with her. Having those friends over for dinner. See, what happens is the most important things are missed out on. You know why? They're not demanding. They're not barking at you. They're silent. So, do something drastic. Figure out what's important. Begin the process of cutting out other stuff and start doing those things. Number two. Expect the unexpected. If you want to live with passion, you better expect the unexpected. Have you discovered that things don't always go as planned? They don't, do they? Life interrupts. There will, there will always be things and stuff that comes into your life that, that's just crazy and hectic. And sometimes I think that's when we need to say, God, I give it to you. I mean, we need to lighten up a little bit and say, God, you're in control. Now, the problem is, though, we try to control everything. Now, I'm a big proponent of planning and prioritizing and being prepared, but when plans get messed up, and guess what? They will. you got to realize God is still in control. That's what happened to these guys. Now, they knew where Jesus would be that day, right? They'd made a plan. They, they brought their friend to Jesus. That took a lot of effort in and of itself. You ever try to carry dead weight, a grown man? But when they got there, they realized things hadn't gone as planned. I mean, you know, think about it. They could have said, well, buddy, we gave it a good try. You know, sorry. You know, it just wasn't our day. It's not meant to be. You know, maybe some other time. They didn't do that. They got creative. Now, the problem is, is when our plans get interrupted, we usually get what? Frustrated, stressed out. And when that happens, sometimes I think it's a warning light that we're trying to control things that are out of our control. We showed up here at the office this past Wednesday after that uh, Tuesday night, you know, lightning storm. Man, we lost internet, phones, security, uh, printer, you know, copier, everything. And it was just what? Out of our control. But our tendency is to get frustrated and stressed out. Uh, we got to allow the reality that God's going to interrupt our lives. You know, when they got to the packed house and they couldn't get in, what looked like an obstacle all of a sudden became an opportunity. They changed their plans. And that is when Jesus did something amazing. Something miraculous. And we got to allow, we got to allow God to do those unpredictable things and just say, God, you know what? You know what's best. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to walk by faith and I'm going to trust you. Number three, if you want to live with passion today, you got to create some space for God. You got to create God space. Okay? Let me explain. In verse 19, it says that these men looked into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. So circle the little phrase there, middle of the crowd. So right there in the middle of the crowd, they, it's as though they created this space 
that wasn't there before so that their friend could now meet with Jesus. And so what I'm saying is that in, in a similar way, in the middle of your crowded lives, overscheduled lives, we've got to create a space intentionally and meet with Jesus. Now, instead, we say, well, when things settle down, then I'll get around to it. When I'm not so busy, then I'll take care of those important things. Listen to me for a second. Guess what? This is your life. Okay? This is it. I mean, what you are living and experiencing right now that is your life, and you can't fall into the trap of when and then thinking. You know, because if you're not doing the important things now, guess what? More than likely, you're not going to do them. Mark 1, 35 and 38, I love this. Listen to this. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now listen to this. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else. Do you hear that? That's Jesus. You see, even Jesus had to what? Intentionally create space in his life, in his very busy and very crowded schedule, so that he could meet with and talk alone with his father. And it's really interesting to me. You know, it says the disciples come running up to him and say, Jesus, where are you? Everybody's looking for you. What they were saying here is, you know what, Jesus? You are disappointing people. You know, you need to hurry up and you need to go meet their needs because there's some women and some children, some sick people, and they're tired and they've come a long way. You are disappointing them. They are expecting you. You know, there, there are some urgent things that you've got to tend to. But Jesus knew what was important. He knew what was most important. And he had to make the decision to leave and separate himself from the crowd and spend time with God. And I believe that that's the secret to maintaining your passion in a crowded world. The most important one for you to spend time with, by the way, is not demanding. He's not going to be barking at your heels. But lovingly, patiently, he's going to be waiting for you. See, we've got to finally figure out that if there's nothing else we get done, we make time for God. Busy parents, moms and dad, if nobody else gets pleased, you please God. And what I've, you know, started to learn in my stubborn thinking is that it's amazing when I do what, what I need to do with God, how that begins to clarify everything else. And everything else kind of falls in place. In other words, when I stop in the beginning of my day and give God that first 15, 20, 30 minutes, whatever it is, in the morning before I rush off into my day, you know what happens? It's as though he just multiplies my time and I... I get it done. Here's why. Proverbs 10, 27. Reverence for God adds hours to each day. Do you need more time in your day? 
put God first. God's the great multiplier. I mean, sometimes I feel like I am too busy to stop and spend time with God. But then I realize I'm too busy not to. There is enough time in the day to get done everything that God wants you to get done. Did you hear that? There's enough time in your day to get everything that God wants you to do to get done. There's not enough time in your day to get done what everybody else wants you to do. So, if we're going to live with passion, if we're going to keep that fervor going, reignite that passion, you got to do something drastic. Ask yourself, you know, that clarifying question, and you realize what's important. You remove those obstacles, and then expect the unexpected, because it's going to happen. And you got to create that, that space for God. Then finally, number four, live with gratitude every day. Never forget, man, what God has done in your life. Never forget where you've come from. Never forget your past. I'm not saying live there, but I'm saying don't you forget how God has blessed you, how God has provided, and what he has done in your life. Remember that every day. Look at Luke 5, 24 and 25. Back to the story. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Now, Stop right there for a second. You know what's kind of interesting to me here is that Jesus could have said, you'd kind of expect him to say, we kind of picture like this evangelistic, you know, miraculous crusade where he says, get up, take your mat, throw it in the trash. You know, you'll never need that thing again. Throw those crutches away. But he didn't do that. He said, listen, get up, take your mat with you, and go home. I kind of like to think that maybe Jesus was saying, hey, listen, Let this mat be a reminder to you of the day that you overcame the crowd and you got to me. Let it be a reminder to you every day of what I've done in your life. I kind of like to think that maybe he went home and put the mat, you know, like in his bedroom or, you know, maybe by the front door. And every single day he'd walk past that thing and he'd just smile a little bit, and he'd say, not today, devil. You know, I don't need that thing. You know, I'll never need it again. Thank you, Jesus. It was just this little physical reminder of the day that God did something in his life, the day that he overcame the crowd, the day that he was healed. And so what I'm asking you today is what about you? What about that day you were healed? Listen, the the reason I get so pumped up about Vacation Bible School is because a a young man about 12 years old whose dad had died, had not been going to church, a friend invited me to what? Vacation Bible school. And it was at that week that, man, I saw people who loved Jesus. I saw people that had joy in their heart. And the following week, they invited me to go to camp. It was at that week I gave my life to Jesus. I felt the call to ministry, and now you're here because of it. I'll never forget it. I'm thankful for it. What has God done in your life? And do you remember it? Do you take time each day to thank him for it? I love the phrase in the passage where it says, immediately, Luke verse 25, immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home, what? Praising God. In other words, here's what I want to tell you. Start today. This is your life. This is it. Your days are numbered. Start asking the question today, you know what, if I knew that I had one month or one year or six months to live, how would I live my life? And then what what drastic changes do you need to make? What, What obstacles do you need to remove? What do you need to cut out of your life? What do you need to start doing? So that one day, you'll get to the end of your life, 
and have no regrets. That's the goal, right? You know, to have no regrets, that we wouldn't have missed out on all the things that God has planned for us, that we would have lived intentionally and fully the life that God intends for us to live, that we would say it now, that we would do it now, that we would give it now. We wouldn't put it off any longer, that we'd say the things that need to be said, that we would do the things we know we ought to do, and that we would live and leave this life one day with no regrets and with great, great passion. What about you? Listen, our God is a passionate God, so much so that he was willing to sacrifice his one and only son, Jesus, for you. And if you want to experience life, life in all of its fullness here and now, and eternal life, one day in heaven forever with God, then it begins, it starts with the life of faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for you on the cross. And today, you can have abundant life, adventurous life, and eternal life if you are willing to place your faith in Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for you, and he proved his power over sin and death by coming back from the dead, coming back to life. And today, that abundant, eternal life begins when you say, I believe, I trust, I put my faith and trust in Jesus and what he did for me. And for the rest of my days now, he is the Lord. I want to follow him. I want to do whatever he tells me to do. Do you want to start that here and now? You can. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today I thank you for the adventure-filled life in Christ that we enjoy. Father, I think many times we need to be reminded that our days truly are numbered. We need to be reminded that the life you have for us is life to the full. God, help us to live with no regrets. Help us to do the things that will live on way past the time that we're here. And uh, Father, today I believe there are people here, there are people watching that are ready to come home, that are ready to receive life, abundant, adventurous life in Christ and eternal life. Listen, if that's you, just pour your heart out to God right here and right now and pray something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I admit it. I have lived life without you. I've gone my own way. I've, I've done things, God, that I, I regret, I know are wrong. I'm a sinner. And I believe, I believe that Jesus went to the cross. Your son went to the cross for my sin. My sin put him on that cross. He died for me. But I believe that he, he proved his power over sin and death by rising from the dead. And I put my faith and my trust in him and him alone. And now, God, for the rest of my days, I just want to follow Jesus. I ask you to forgive me. And I ask Jesus to be my Savior and my Lord. And I want to follow him. And Father, for those of us who are in this room who have already made that decision of faith, help us to live life to the full with great, great passion, knowing that our days are numbered and our time here on earth matters and time that there's a sense of urgency to us, God, about what really matters. We love you, God. We pray all these things today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. 
For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.